Welcome to another episode of BuddyCast. Folks, we've got a great show today. Let me tell you. I was talking with this guy earlier, and we were laughing it up. It's it's going to be great. Trust me. I give you my new buddy, Trent Grinch. How you doing hey, today? I'm doing great, Nick. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being on the show. Hey, we've got mutual friends in common, you know? Indeed, we do. Anyone that is a buddy of Kenton and Ed is a buddy of mine. So, well, they're wonderful guys. They really are. And uh, we can talk a little bit more about uh, some of the things that I know about them that you may not know later. Ooh. Ooh. Let me start out by asking how'd you meet those guys? Well, you know, it's funny. It all, all started with, uh, in this order, magic and music and movies, uh, quite honestly. Uh, with, uh, with magic, I was fascinated by all of Kenton's things, as so many magicians are. I mean, he is the mentalist in the magic community. And so I started writing him. I started uh, reading some of his work. And he wrote back, which was amazing. Because in the magic world, some people are more friendly than other people are, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and he was very, very kind, very, very encouraging. Then he found out uh, that I do audio. And he said, you know, I'm a musician as well. And I'm looking for somebody to help me out with my music. So I started helping him uh, master down some of his music. Started out with the singing bowls. I don't know if you've heard him play, but it's uh, it's stunning. He's got these huge Tibetan bowls, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, like quartz, not not just the the metal brass ones, but the huge quartz ones. And he sets them out like a drum kit and plays them, and it's hypnotic. It really is. And uh, he sent me some of his recordings, and I mastered them off. Then he started sending me some of his piano pieces and I mastered those and uh, we just we just clicked I call him my brother K and he calls me brother T and then from Kenton I met Ed who is also a musician who's also a magician who's also a juggler Uh, he's a man of many many talents he's also uh, a little out there which is why he and I click so well and uh, uh, between the three of us, we uh, we kind of formed uh, an interesting bond. And then you add uh, Karen, Ed's uh, Ed's wife, to the to the mix, and we've just we've we've had a lot of fun together. Uh, and whether it's magic, music, or uh, mirth, <laughs> we we just have a great time together. Most definitely, most definitely. I got to ask, what's your funniest story with these guys? Okay, well, with Ed, uh, the laughs just never end, I'm going to tell you. I mean, when he and I get together, there's something that something in our brains that is a synchronicity kind of thing, and we just laugh at each other hysterically for hours on end. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't matter what I could – I could be eating a pizza with Ed, and we'd be laughing the whole time. But with Kenton, now this was kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> I was helping him with a podcast. We were doing uh, doing a piece called Real Energy Secrets. And uh, we haven't done one in a while. We need to uh, record another one. Kenton, if you're watching, we need to record another one. I'm telling you. Anyway, so the, the first time we did it, we and we were recording them on Zoom. Right. And the the first time that we got on Zoom uh, doing this recording, I had a virtual background up. And it was a beautiful recording studio behind me. It just pristine, lovely. Now, mind you, Kenton has never seen this shabby little place that you're seeing behind me right now. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we get on Zoom and he goes. I am so impressed with your recording studio. This is amazing. And it was one of those things where, you know, you kind of lure it out and just kind of play them for a while. You're fresh around, ah, you know, and I let him go for 
five, 10 minutes. And I finally said, hey, Canton, just a second. And I hit the button and I turned off the virtual set. And he pretty much saw what you're seeing behind me, my bookcase. And he went, you completely conned me. And I said, does that mean that in my promotions for my magic show, I can say I'm the man who fooled Kenton Nepper? <laughs> Word's still out on that. I don't know. I may have to pay him some extra money. I'm not sure. But, uh, oh, man, did I laugh that night. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> now, for the, now for the obvious question. Yes. How did you become a magician? Like, how did you become a magician? How did I start magic? Now, we're going to have to go back to, uh, we're going to go way back here, Nick. Uh, mm -hmm. Remember the 60s? You probably don't. That'd be my yeah. Now, nah, I wouldn't think so. Your your parents may not remember the 60s. I don't know. I could be wrong. You're a very young man. You are. I'm a very old man. But <laughs> no, going back to, I was, a, I was a child of the 60s and the 70s, Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was in 19, it would have been 1965. I was four years old and my aunt had a piano recital at a church in a little town in South Dakota. That's where I grew up was South Dakota. Mm -hmm. I'm probably the first person you've ever met who grew up in South Dakota, Nick. It's entirely possible. I think you are. I think I've met someone in North Dakota before, but. Oh, it's an inferior state. I'm just telling you. But at any rate, so I here I am, four years old. My uh, my aunt is doing her piano recital. Everybody goes down in the basement at the end of the piano recital for the potluck, right? They have these, uh, everybody brings something to eat. Mm -hmm. Everybody's down there eating. Well, I wander upstairs and I start roaming the pulpit. And I don't know why. But for some reason, I start singing Beatles songs on the pulpit. I'm singing Twist and Shout. I'm, uh, I'm singing uh, Give Me Money. I mean, we're going back to the Beatles' second album here. And I am crowing at the top of my lungs. And speaking of crowing, when I notice I have an audience, I decide to say, well, have another Beatles song after this commercial break. And I start reciting the cornflakes commercial now more and more people are showing up they're all coming from upstairs trying to figure out what what this crazy noise is and it's this little boy who's four years old who's singing beatles songs and doing cornflakes commercials now what does that have to do with me doing magic let me tell you i walked out of the place at the end of it. Oh, oh, and I got a standing ovation, by the way. I got to tell you, at the end of my, uh, after I did my encore, I can't remember what song it was. But at, at the end, I go out, I get in the car with my parents, and I said, I'm going to be a performer. I said it to my parents, and all the way home, I'm thinking I'm going to be a performer. But what I need is an accordion. This was my six-year-old brain going. Uh, <laughs> that was where I discovered magic. Now, that's not the kind of magic you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I understand that. But I, I, I immediately understood the magic of performing at that moment in my life at four years old. So then when I was seven, I saved cereal box tops and got my first little magic kit, like so many people do, right? Started doing little tricks. Moved along and uh, did a few more tricks, got into high school and college, started doing a lot of shows and uh, just uh, read books, uh, watched a lot of TV. I mean, Mark Wilson was one of my great heroes back in the 70s. He, wonderful magician. Uh, he was the creative consultant for a, a short run TV show called The Magician, starring Bill Bixby of the Incredible Hulk fame, right? Mm -hmm. And man, I wanted to be Bill Bixby. I really wanted to be Bill Bixby. But I was a short little fat kid from Brookings, South Dakota. You know, so I did the tricks that I could do, you know, and I and I did it and I did a lot of shows. And I did a lot of shows in, uh, in college and uh, made beer money back in college, which was awesome. You know, and very important when you're in college. Oh, yes. Got to have that. 
Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then I walked away from Magic for a while. Uh, that was after I got married. I got married in college. And I walked away from Magic for about 30 years. Literally 30 years. And, uh, you know, life. Life happens. And you have other priorities. And I had my my radio profession uh, got into uh, advertising. And I just had other things going on, audio production, video production. I was doing all of these things. Well, then when I turned, uh, I think, 50, I thought, you know, I really loved magic. Maybe it's time to start investigating that again. And so now, uh, <coughs> years later, here I am doing magic once again. Beautiful. Beautiful. Now, you know, I've talked to a lot of magicians on this show, and um, I actually have been practicing a little magic trick myself. You want to see one? I'd love to see one. That'd be awesome. Get me with it. All righty. You know, I'm going to make someone appear out of thin air. You ready for this now? Oh, I'm excited. I know that, dude. (laughs) Hey. We went to separate schools together. (laughs) We did. We did. Absolutely. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Good to see you on the buddy cast there. You're doing great. I was was loving that story about your singing in church there. And I think anytime you can get churches to embrace the Beatles, you've done a good thing there. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying I was an I was an early adopter. Right. <laughs> All right. Very good. Well, it's good to see you. And, well, and that's good a, to see that's you a, too. Fascinating story there. I'm I'm anxious uh, to hear you the know, rest yeah, I've always got some sort of story to tell. And, and certainly the a continuum of the story as the drama builds toward the climate. It could happen, you know. Ginger hey. isn't ginger anymore. Marianne isn't Marianne anymore. <laughs> not, not since the stroke. That's right. That's right. <laughs> hey. So, hey, man, think of a card. Trent, Trent, think of a card. Think of a card. Yes. Don't uh, tell me why. You, you got it? Yes. Okay, I'm going to make it rise into the air. Okay. Did you see it? No, it was Steve Martin. <laughs> he is a card. That's a fact. That's a fact. Okay. Wow, man. See, there you go. There's that fast thing that he it's does. A tough you see room, he buddy. It's, he turned buddy it. Cast that's, that's, is a tough room. <laughs> that's right. It is. The cast was literal. If they, you know, if they don't like what you do, you end up, you leave uh, well, I, I can tell Nick. Nick will get rough if I'm not careful, so I better be careful. All right. Well, hey, it's good to see both of you guys. Well, it's good. I thank you for coming on. And that was the most amazing thing I've seen uh, in the last half hour, Nick. Thank you. <laughs> I would say so. Yeah. That was amazing. Don't get me working on my magic. Bravo! Bravo! <laughs> you want to see him make me disappear now? Absolutely. Can you do it? <laughs> hey, we'll see you later, buddy. Bye. Bye. Yeah, see yeah. you. Thanks for stopping by. Poof. Ah. Oh. Amazing, amazing. Um, yeah, I knew, he would, I knew he would brighten your spirits. I'm blown away. He always does. He always does. He brings out this uh side of me that mm-hmm. most people probably shouldn't see. So, <laughs> oh, hey, I noticed a little improv there with him. I hear you're really, really good at improv. That's the rumor. I don't know. You know, I started in college, I, I was a speech theater major in college, mm-hmm. and uh. Man, that was my favorite part of college, honestly, was uh, there was a there's a group uh, in Minneapolis called Dudley Riggs Brave New Workshop. They're kind of a second city sort of thing. I don't know if you're if you're uh, up on those guys, but check them out if you get a chance. In fact, uh, the founder, Dudley, uh, actually passed away at 88 this week, which was really, really sad. Mm. One wonderful group of improv people. And they came to my school. Uh, I went to South Dakota State University, the home of the Jackrabbits, Go Jacks. And and they came a couple of different times and did improv sessions with everybody that was in the theater department. 
And that was always my favorite part, man. Have those guys come in and they were so good. And so many of them, I, a couple of them have been on uh, Saturday Night Live. Uh, Louis Anderson was a Dudley Riggs guy. So uh, to learn from those guys, oh man, it was it was incredible. And so I've, I've always kind of held on to that. And it, to me, that's that's the important thing. You hold on to everything that you learn, because even though you think it's the dumbest thing on the planet while <laughs> you're learning it, at some point you're going to use it, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I did clowning for a while when I was in college. I was a semi-professional clown. And so, so much of what I learned from Dudley Riggs, I was using while I was street clowning, right? Because you never know what your audience is going to be when you're out on the street and you're doing festivals and whatnot, and you just don't know what you're going to get. And so you've got to get used to reacting to that. And how am I going to, you know, if, if I end up with a grumpy person, you know, how am I going to get a smile out of them without totally making them completely grumpier than they already are, you know? And so it, uh, it was a great learning experience and I love that. And I hold on to it to this day. That's an amazing story. What I loved about it, you said you were a clown. I was. I was a clown for a while. I had a, I had a partner who actually went to uh, uh, Ringling Brothers Clown School, and he's a graphic artist. Still does graphic arts as a profession, but he and I teamed up for several years, and uh, we called ourselves "Send in the Clowns." How original is that? <laughs> and. We did a lot of festivals and I did a little magic. I did a little bit of juggling. I'm nowhere near at the level of Ed when it comes to juggling. I'm going to tell you that right up front. But we had uh, a lot of shtick and we'd go out and it was a grind. I mean, we'd do, uh, you know, some of these art festivals. We'd be out there for six hours in the middle of August when it's 97 degrees outside <laughs> and you're going from person to person in whiteface, and, and I didn't talk. I know that seems very odd now that you've gotten to know me, Nick, but <laughs> I was not a speaking clown. So I had to uh, I had to get my, my point across in other ways. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And the only reason that, honestly, I quit was uh, I got into radio and uh, ended up getting a gig outside of that town. But, oh, great, great memories of being a clown. I... It, it makes me angry in some ways that clowns get such a bad rap these days. Mm. You know, everything's scary clown, scary clown. You know what? Clowns weren't always scary. And clowns aren't always scary. Mm -hmm. And I, it, it really bothers me for this generation of children because they don't get, to, get a chance to really appreciate good clowning mm -hmm. and, and a gentle, friendly clown. You know, it just, it, things have changed. So yeah. and probably not for the better in that regard. I, nope. It's a challenge for the people that are out there still doing it. So. Yes, absolutely. Well, you're actually talking to someone who used to be a clown. Really? Yep. I was a clown from about 2016 to about 2018, maybe a little bit into 2019. Um, oh. I, I was with a local clown alley down here. It's a funny story how I found them. I used to be a pizza delivery guy and I was, you know, I got lost on one of these deliveries because it was a trailer park near them. So I see this big open lot and I'm like, perfect. No one's here. I'm just going to pull in here for 10 seconds and we can fix this calc. Uh, we fix this uh, GPS. I get in and as I'm typing in the address to the GPS, I look up big clown mural right in front of me, right on this building. And I'm like, oh, look, a clown hall. Getting out of here before Happy yells at me for being on the property. <laughs> so, from like that point on, it was etched in my mind that it was there, and I'm like, I wonder if this thing like still exists and everything. Did the research, found out, yeah, they're still a thing. And um, awesome. I actually met a really good buddy of mine through the program who took me under his wing and taught me everything. He was the one who invited me to join them, invited me to clown school, which at the time I'm like. I'm busy with real school, but thanks for the offer. And then like a week later, I'm like, okay, I need a good laugh. Is that offer still on the table? And um, yeah, good they were, you. yeah, 
I'll get, you, you probably know my name if you... Yeah, I'll give you a hint. Was it... Oh, hold on. Let me do a mental thing for you. Because yeah, I am fun, duh, mental. Okay, here we go. Uh, cast the Clown. That's awesome. That's a great name. <laughs> I must. <laughs> I like that. Buddy the Clown. That's cool, man. Yep. That's cool. That Isn't it the best? Isn't yeah. it the best to make people laugh? Yes. I would always, for one, my opening line was always, Buddy the Clown, what's your favorite color? If you've ever seen the movie Elf. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. I love and, it. Uh, it's actually a name given to me by my grandfather. My uh, grandfather really? who passed in 2014. Whenever I showed up to his place, you know, whenever I was, you know, in the same room as him. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Oh. Yep. And so I just, the name stuck around with me. And I'm like, you know what? That's what this pandemic needs. A buddy. So. We we need a buddy big time. We need a lot of buddies right now. No question yes. about it. Most definitely. Most definitely. Let me jump to that question. Let me get that there. In your own words, what do you think it means to be someone's buddy today? Boy, that's a big question. And I've been thinking about that a lot, Nick. Mm -hmm. um, especially at this point in time. It means getting outside of yourself. I, I'm, I'm not going to say that we're all selfish right now. I am going to say that we're, we're all within ourselves and we're all very concerned, depressed, um, possibly things that wouldn't bother us mm -hmm. outside of this pandemic are huge things right now. And everyone has stuff more than ever. And we dwell on that stuff. And I think to be a buddy means that you forget all of your stuff. You give it up. And you focus on someone else. That is exactly and, the and, and at that point, you'd be amazed. Your stuff melts away. Help yourself by helping others. Exactly. And we need more of that. And yes. it it I I don't think it needs to be an isolated thing. I I don't think that it's always an easy thing, especially in these times. It it is hard to get out of your own head these days. And I'll be the first to admit that. Uh there are days when I just don't I've had bad days. We've all had bad days during this. But I think if you can even take a minute every day, I personally push for 10 minutes, and who knows, I usually end up getting 45 if I'm lucky. Take some time and reach out to people and say, how you doing? I'm thinking about you. I'm worried about you. I know you're having a tough time. We're all having a tough time. You know what? This is going to pass. It's going to pass like kidney stones, but it's going to pass. We're going to get past this. And we're all in it together. And I care. And here's a hug. Yes. Yes. Thank you. That's, so that's where my head's at with all of that. Yes. Speaking of buddies, if I can see something else, I think he's having a little technical difficulties. I'm going to pull another magic trick for you here in a second. Let me see if he... Oh. Uh, Look at here. Let me see if he pops up. Yep. Look, look. One second. Is he coming? There he is. Ready for another magic trick? I am. I'm All excited. Right. I give to you another great buddy of ours. He's coming. <laughs> He's coming. Brother K. Hello there. Oh. <laughs> How are you doing, Brother Tree? Oh my goodness! So good to see you. Good to see you. Oh <laughs> man, boy, yes, we've all been so busy and not uh, been able to keep in touch like usual and do all of our other. We, we're doing so many projects together and not spending any time seeing each other. That's kind of how things have been lately. So yeah, isn't that good to see really you, my bad. friend? Did yeah. you see me childing you earlier? By the way. <laughs> 
I I actually put in the comments that Albert Albert Ross fooled me, and and Trent fooled me legally speaking. That's great. I can use it as a promo. <laughs> I love it. Now we've heard Kent's side of the story. I want to hear Kenton's side of the story. <laughs> no, no, this is really true. It was so funny because we were doing all this audio recording and uh, and we were on Zoom and so it looked like an absolute real studio behind me. I thought, boy, he's got this great studio in his house. This is nice. He just strung me out for a long time. He's also, because he didn't tell you this part, he's also been the sound, gen sound engineer for a lot of my uh, music works. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So, yep. um, I, to me, it just made sense that he could do that. So, so, yeah. but Trent, like Ed yes. was going to do a real trick for you. Yeah. What, what card were you, what other card were you, besides Steve Martin were you thinking of? Besides Steve Martin? Besides Steve Martin? Uh, yeah. The 10 of clubs. The 10 of clubs. Okay. Seven. Is that what you said? Seven. I'm sorry? Seven. Seven. Seven of clubs. Okay. Yeah. The reason I asked is um, because earlier when we were doing this, Trent, this, you won't believe this, but Ed gave me this card, and he said you were going to say the six of clubs. So he was actually, oh, actually, he got it right. That's impressive. <laughs> he actually, wow, wow. That's amazing that you could do that. That's, I see, this is why Trent and I work together, because he's always on the same wavelength. So it's easy. Oh. It's not a problem. <laughs> I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was amazing, my friend. <laughs> I have a t-shirt index, and I'm selling it on YouTube, and it's, yes. <laughs> as seen on BuddyCast, only 20 That's right, as seen on BuddyCast. That's yeah, right. Yeah. And if you order before midnight, we'll throw in yeah. this wooden spoon. Here's how to order. <laughs> well, I just want to say uh, Trent is is like an incredible talent. He's highly, highly modest, um, but uh, not only does he do all this incredible audio work, he does amazing voiceovers. He's a he's a really fine magician, um, and he hides it all under uh, under under this his characters, um, which seem to be very uh, silly and nonchalant. Anton, all I've got is five. That's perfect. It's 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 worth about the same. It's all right. I, I'll show you how to use that for a magazine test later. Um, but this all is. Right, fair <laughs> but honest, honest to goodness, um, and we just you know in the sun. Uh oh, he slipped into a trance. I hate it when he does this. He just. This great character, Albert Ross, and Albert Ross, Dr. Albert Ross, um, is hilarious. He uh, takes himself very seriously, um, and it's just a brilliant, brilliant part of our show. So um, don't let this guy fool you about how, uh, how, how silly he's being and how he doesn't know that much. He's a brilliant actor, a great voiceover guy, and an incredible magician, among other things. I'm going to have to find another Canadian Five for you after that, buddy. I'm telling you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's Thank great you, to Greg. see you. I'm so glad, Nick. You have our our buddy Trent on there. Um, I, I'm sure he can amuse you for for endless hours. But it's a pleasure to get to pop in and say hello um, on this busy, busy uh, Saturday uh, and Sunday weekend. But uh, it was great to see you and keep keep doing everything you're doing. It's amazing stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Ken. All right, my friend. You can add Chris. You know? That would be awesome. Let's get us all in there. Yeah, that would be scary. Yeah, we better uh, we better set aside four or five hours. But, yes, we can yes. do it. I hate you. Thanks for stopping by, Ken. Great. Good to see you guys. Thanks, yep. brother K. Means a lot. See you later, buddy. Oh, thank you. you. Ed and Kenton. Yes. Oh, they're the I best. Those guys on. They're legends, you know. Oh, they are. They are. As are you, as, are you, as I'm learning. I'm so. a legend in my own mind. Yes, sure. Mm -hmm. yes. Absolutely. Yes.
before Ken came on, I wanted to ask you real quick. You mentioned, you know, the pandemic and all these times, all these things. Um, How do you think magic's going to come back or what do you think is going to be some differences with like, you mentioned live performances and everything. Well, I I can tell you, uh, and and I actually mentioned this to you before uh, Mm -hmm. we came on. Mm -hmm. I did my first live show last weekend, Uh, drove up to uh, a lovely little town called Milton, Delaware. I stayed in Ocean City, but I drove up to Milton, Delaware to do this show. Uh, It was, uh, oh, what a treat. I'm going to digress. I'm sorry, Nick. I digress a lot. But I did this show that this show was near and dear to my heart because this family lived up the street from me uh, over 50 years ago in my hometown. And they moved when I was about eight years old. And one of the uh, they, they had a raft of kids. I played with them all the time. Their mom babysat me. Well, their mom was having a significant birthday coming up. And back in February, one of the daughters wrote to me and asked me if I'd be willing to do a show. Well, this was before the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'll be there in a heartbeat. Are you kidding? After 50 years? Because they they really meant something to me, these people. So then the pandemic hit. And then it's, okay, how's this going to work? Well, maybe it's going to be over by the end of April. Well, May. Well, June. Well, July. Well, August. Well, holy smokes. What are we going to do? And I start making plans to do something virtually, whether I would tape it or whether I would uh, I would Zoom it or something like that. And we got closer and closer, and I'm, I'm talking to the kids, and I said, look, if the theater is willing to do it, I want to be there. And I pulled it off. I was there. I was present. And it was it was different because my show is a lot of um that's a lot of audience participation. Basically it's laughing with the audience, but a lot of people up on stage with me. So I had to kind of pull back on some of those things. But what I did do was to bring masks, face shields, and gloves along. And I had them on the stage. And I wrote a script. A, a dear voiceover friend of mine who uh, is so much better than I am. He, he, he has this big voice. And he did this whole thing. I had him do a safety disclaimer about what to do when you come up on stage. And it was kind of tongue-in-cheek. And it was funny. But everybody played along and they did their part. They put on their face shields. They put on their, they already had masks, but I I had them just in case. And uh, they gloved up. They did their thing. We were respectful of the distance. And it worked out. And I guess to answer your question, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently for a long time now, whether we're going to be doing zoom shows. And there are some people out there that are just knocking it dead. Uh, Paul Draper is one in, in particular magician who has a never ending stream of shows. It seems like he's doing a wonderful job with all of that, but the time's going to come like last weekend where we're going to say, okay, we need to get people together. And we're going to have to do it a little bit differently than we used to do. But in a lot of ways, it's going to be the same as it used to be. And that comes down to connection. If you're going to perform for an audience, you need to know how to connect with them. You need to know how to make them feel good. You need to know how to uh, laugh with them and not at them. Or if you're doing a serious show, you still have to know how to connect with those people. Mm -hmm. You know, Eugene Berger said that the House of Magic has many rooms. My room happens to be a rubber room, but there's other people that do serious stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But there still needs to be a way to connect with people's emotions, no matter what kind of performer you are. And in that way, nothing is going to change. There's going to be a lot of little cosmetic differences in how we do things. And, 
yeah, we're probably not going to do, uh, you know, um, David Williamson does the bit where he, he pulls the card out of his mouth and he's got the person touching his tongue and all. No, we're probably not going to be doing that for a while. But we are going to connect with people. Mm -hmm. And we're going to show them a good time because we need that now more than ever. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think even like, even sometimes I think virtual shows even help a little bit. Don't you? What are your oh, thoughts? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, re they really do. It's uh, it it's harder to connect with people, I I think, on a virtual show. I've, I've got a great friend out in L.A., Michael Murth, who did a virtual show last weekend. And it was his first show, and it was awesome. But he put a lot of time and effort into that. And I think everybody that does them right now realizes that, uh, okay, number one, you got to be mystical, hands off. But number two, you got to push it even harder to engage with people because you're not in the same room with them. And that's a completely different energy than when you're with people face to face, <laughs> as you well know. <laughs> Most definitely. There's not all those laughs in the background and everything like that, but. Oh, that's right. You just got to tell yourself, hey, someone somewhere is laughing, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And it, personally, if if I did, and I haven't done a virtual show yet, but personally, if I did, I think I would unmute everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just a personal choice because I've, I've got to hear some of it and I've got to be able to react to some of it because I'm a little silly and I am going to react to everybody. I mean, like last weekend, the birthday girl, when she saw me come on stage after 50 years, rushed the stage she ran up to the stage and my first thought was to say joyce hold up hold up no rushing the stage no panties not yet you haven't seen the show and you know what you can't do that unless you're getting some kind of feedback Right. And I think virtually you, that's going to be a verbal feedback, probably. So you've got to be able to uh, you got to be able to hear that so that you can react to it. Yes, most definitely. Now, I always ask this to all performers who come on the show. What yeah. do you think the funniest story you've got from your time in performing? Oh, wow. That's going to go back to my clown days. Mm hmm. You know, I told you about the six hours out doing the uh, the street fair, right? Mm -hmm. And you're out and about. And I did a lot of balloon animals back then. And I did not have a balloon pump back mm -hmm. then because I was a moron. And <laughs> I was blowing them all up like that, right? Try doing that six hours. Mm -hmm. And the the problem is once somebody sees you do a balloon animal, everybody wants you to do a balloon animal. Mm -hmm. You know, my, you, you know where I'm going with this. Oh, right? yes. So <laughs> my partner and I had, uh, had a shtick because I wore the, uh, the big red nose and I use spirit gum for it, which by the way, makes the hours go by very quickly, but that's another story. I, I use spirit gum on the nose. And uh, after a few hours, the sweat and the nose and the sponge, the nose would plop off, right? So we had some shtick where we had this emergency thing. And we always played kazoos all the time. So we'd, uh, we'd do this emergency sound. And he had the emergency first aid kit, which was basically spirit gum to put my nose back on and I would fall on the ground and there'd be a lot of flailing and, and wailing and all of that. Uh, so we've got this set up, right? If anything goes wrong with my nose, we're going to do this shtick. So we get down to hour six, actually hour five and 59 minutes and 59 seconds. We're about to escape, right? We're on our way out of the park. And a bunch of little kids show up. We want a balloon. We want a balloon. On the third balloon, I suddenly found myself looking up at the sky. 
And I heard my partner playing our emergency music. And I realize I'm looking up at him. I also realize I'm laying on my back on the ground. <laughs> and my partner is very concerned about what's going on at that point. And the kids all think it's the act, right? <laughs> and they're, ah, look at this silly clown laying on the ground. And my eyes are rolling up into my head. And <laughs> he's pulling out like a handkerchief and waving it over me. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking if he does the Heimlich, we're ending this show. I'm done <laughs> at this point. Right. So eventually he just hands them balloons that aren't even blown up and like do it yourself balloons. Here's some do it yourself balloon animals. Right. The kids go away. He gets me to my feet. I stack her off and uh, I somehow live to tell that tale. Wow. So that was one of my favorite performance pieces ever. One of the funniest things. You know, I almost died. But other than that, it was awesome. Oh, you almost had a, you know, you almost saw the light, but hey, it worked out. You know, I almost had a brain aneurysm, stroke. I mean, you know, whatever. But hey, what and give up show business? Yeah, show must Come go on. on. Show must go on. Always. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, another question I have for you is: you're involved with two media companies. One is RPM Media. Yes. And the other is Sonoma, uh, Sonic Cinema Experience. Yes. Tell me about your roles in those. Very different roles. Uh, <laughs> with Sonic Cinema, uh, my alter ego, Dr. Ross, uh, has some uh, some bits and pieces in there that are actually pre-recorded because obviously Ed and Kenton and Karen are in Phoenix <laughs> and I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina, so it's a little hard for me to be a part of the show day to you know, day to day. So I pre-recorded a lot of people. Well, Dr. Ross pre-recorded a lot of pieces. By the way, he pronounces his name uh, Dr. Albatross, just for the record. And there's a long story that goes with that that we'll save next time that we're with Ed and Kenton. Yes. Uh, so I, I pre-recorded a lot of pieces for uh, for that. And uh, uh We'll have to play some at some point. So that that that's one thing where I'm where I'm kind of an actor mm -hmm. playing this character. Uh, RPM is a completely different situation because it is an ad agency. Uh, we're based out of uh, the Triangle here in North Carolina, and we're a full service ad agency. I'm the creative director, and I do a little bit of everything. Quite frankly, I do writing, uh, I do branding. I do video production. I do audio production, which, of course, audio is always audio is always going to have a soft place in my heart, right? Along mm -hmm. So I do I do that. I uh, I uh, produce a little bit of music every now and again, that sort of thing, and sometimes I voice commercials. I don't do that as much as I used to, but uh, but yeah. So it's uh, it it's a completely different thing for performing, but yet it's not because to me, great advertising is a great story. And everyone has a great story. They may not know how to tell it, but that's where I come in. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Advertising is a story and how to tell it. I'll, I love it. As a, as a comm major, I love that, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, and, and it's true. And I think... Uh, Advertising has lost its way in a little, in a little, uh, well, for for a few years now. I mean, digital advertising is is hot right now. It's the hot, yes. you know. And and I will never downplay the power of digital advertising. That said, I think that we have forgotten the storytelling part of advertising as a whole. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I love to do. I love to tell someone's story. I love to tell my story. I love to tell somebody else's story, whether I'm I'm writing a script, whether I'm writing a piece of music, uh, whether I'm being a character, uh, or whether I'm just uh, branding somebody who like like uh, we've got a brewery that we work with, a local brewery who who are awesome by the way. It's great. Oh, their beer 
Oh, good stuff. But uh, but they were looking for some branding, you know, and they're uh, they're called Norse Brewing Company. So of course you can play with all sorts of mythology with that, right? And I have loved working with those people and and developing the story of their beer and their commitment to uh, to family and to food and how to tell that to make it compelling to people to say, man, I got to go to Norse because I want to be part of the Norse family. You know, that that really gets me going when I do advertising. And that's an example of what I do at RPM. That was beautiful. Truly, I love, like I said, I love how you put your heart and soul into your work. You know, you don't just say, yeah, I do this from nine to five every day. So why not? You know, it's something I love doing. I love going down to the local brewery and saying, what do you guys need this week? Exactly. Exactly. Well, it comes down to passion, doesn't it, Nick? Yes. Really? Yeah. I mean, why go through life doing something you're not passionate about? Mm. Mm. That is such a sad way to live your life. Yeah. And, you know, I I went down that path for a short time and I went, man, I'm not going back there. That's no fun. Nope. You know, because when I'm passionate about something, I do my best work. Yes. Yes. My best work. And people are happy and they're excited and they love it. I love it. We're friends together working on something. And that is what gets me excited. And that's what gets me out of bed every morning. Mm -hmm. and if, if you don't have that, uh, anyone who's watching right now, find it and hold on to it and go for it. Yes. That would be my advice. Yes. You are speaking to the choir because one, I've been in those jobs where you literally question like, if I just walk away tomorrow, what's going to be like the ramification? They're just going to replace me and I'm going to not enter this building anymore. That's it. I'm just not going to get a paycheck. That's all I've got to lose. You know? You know, and and that's true. And I mean, when I uh, when I married my second wife, who I'm, I'm still married to and the love of my life, mm -hmm. and uh, I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I did not have a job. I had no prospects of a job. But I knew that moving to Raleigh was where my heart was. So I took that leap of faith. And I walked away from, you know, a job I was making decent money at. But it, it, it wasn't what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I came down here and was with my love. And within two weeks, I was at a radio station and I was, uh, I was doing a job that I, that I kind of enjoyed. Yes. You know? And it's grown from there. Yes. So, you know, follow your passion, follow your passion. Yes. 100%. I used to have a radio internship and there'd be days it was right across the street from my major building. There'd be days I'd show up like almost three hours early and they'd be like, we're not expecting you for a little bit. So go, go, do, go get lunch, do something. Come back here in like two and a half hours and you'll be fine. But just go, go have a little you time. <laughs> You're ready to work. No, no, we're good. We got this. Uh, I, I know that feeling, man. When I started, I was, uh, I was a baby DJ when I was still in college, a uh, little local radio station. And I worked overnights on the weekends. I would do any shift that they told me to do. I would, I wanted to do that. And I thought it was awesome. And I probably drove all those poor people crazy because I was horrible on the air. I'm not going to lie. I, you know, I probably still would be if I went back on the air, but, uh, but I had the passion. I had the drive. And so I spent, I was, I'm like you, man, I spent as much time there as I could. I was just absorbing everything, you know, mm -hmm. 
wow, how'd you make that echo sound on those reel-to-reels? How did that work? How do you do that? No, really, show me. I want to see that. How did you do that? You know, it was those kind of things. How do you, uh, how do you uh, make a song just start, boom, right where you want it? You know, and that kind of thing. And that, that was part of the art of, of radio back then. Yes. You know, because, uh, yes, we were still playing records back then. So, uh, but again, it all goes back to passion. I, I keep digressing, but it all comes back around to being passionate about what you do and loving your life because of it. Yes. Now, speaking of passion, well, something I'm passionate about here on this show is charity. Ah, if you could have our audience donate to one charity of your choice, what would it be and why? The American Cancer Society. I have too many friends who are fighting cancer, friends and family who have lost that fight, and the friends who are in remission right now. And let, please, hopefully they'll stay that way. We're in a, uh, a toxic world in so many ways. And cancer is a byproduct of that. And the American Cancer Society does great work. And they've come a long way, but we've got a long way to go. I, I mean, they have, uh, they found a lot of cures. And there's a long way to go. So, yes, the American Cancer Society, without question. Let's Beautiful. save everybody. Beautiful answer. I got one more question for you, and then I'm going to ask you what I call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. All right. The first one, going back a little bit. Who are some famous people that you've um, that you've performed with or some really notable, you know, people like Ed and Kenton? Oh, yeah. well, you know, uh, I haven't. Other than the Sonic Cinema, I have not been on a live stage with Ed and Kenton. Mm -hmm. uh, someday it, mm -hmm. it's going to happen, whether Dr. Ross appears or I appear. Who knows? Maybe both of them. Who knows? But uh, uh, I went to the um, Magic and Meaning Conference a couple of years ago, uh, Jeff McBride's Magic and Mystery School. And I rub shoulders with people that I would have never imagined that I would rub shoulders with, uh, Jeff McBride being one of them and his lovely wife, Abby. Uh, that's where I actually met uh, Ed and Kenton face to face. We had never met before face to face. Mm. So that's a thrill. Uh, Luna Shimada. Uh, oh, goodness. It, it goes on. Matt Franco spoke that, that year and he had just won America's Got Talent. Mm. Uh, there, there's a guy named Master Payne. If you have not seen Master Payne, look him up. P-A-Y-N-E. Master Payne is one of the funniest human beings I have ever seen in my life. You got to check him out. Uh, I was lucky enough to meet Robert Neal, who is uh, probably the poster child for magic and meaning other than Eugene Berger. And the closest thing to meeting Eugene Berger that I got, because Eugene passed away about three months before Magic and Meaning, sadly, before I got a chance to meet him. But uh, but it it was a wonderful time. We did, I I didn't perform. It was my first time there, so I didn't perform. But just that camaraderie with magicians that uh, I really haven't had in my life very much. But as far as performing with magicians, last November. Uh, or maybe it was October. Time flies when you're unconscious. Have you noticed that, Nick? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I see Ed's comment. Master Pain is my spirit animal. That's very true. Uh, last October, I went out to uh, L.A. to perform in a benefit show for a magician named Michael Mirth, who was a regular out at the Magic Castle. Wonderful, gifted magician. You should really have him on the show at some point. Uh, Michael is one of my friends who is battling cancer right now. And we did a, uh, a show for Michael uh, in, a, in a burb outside of L.A. And uh, another dear friend, Jonas Kane, who is a wonderful magician, came from Boston and performed as well. 
And uh, a very funny man named uh, Phil Van T. If you don't know Phil Van T, he's another one. He's a, he's another regular at the castle. Great stand-up and hilarious and is one of the most original comedians I've ever seen in my life. And uh, we we played at Rury and had a great time. And uh, that was my first combo magic show. I've always done shows by myself. And what a wonderful thing to be able to do, to go and uh, make a lot of people laugh, have a lot of fun, and raise some friends, uh, some funds for my brother Michael. It was it was awesome. It really was. Mm-hmm. That's truly beautiful. Even Ken McCree's getting mirth on the show. Yes, Michael. Michael's great, and Jonas mm-hmm. uh, has a a uh, website called Hashtag Positivity. I like that. I like that name a lot. Oh, you you and Jonas have a lot in common. You would have a great time with Jonas. Mm-hmm. He's, he's amazing and a great magician. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for the leads. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you one more question. And then if you don't mind, I don't want to ask, I want to end the show. Would you mind doing a little bit of magic for us, a little performing? I'd, I'd love to do so. I'd love All right. To. But first, we got to get down the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. Oh, boy. Here we go. I'm scared. <laughs> what is your advice to anyone out there who wants to be a magician today? Do it. <laughs> I know that's the easy answer. Let me yeah. let me go on and on as I tend to do, as you've noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, get a book. Go to the library. There are books on magic. Go online. Watch other magicians. Uh, I would say go to a magic store, but they're all going away and nobody can go to a store right now in most places. But if you can find a magic store, if you have a magic store in your area, for heaven's sakes, go. And not just to buy tricks, but to rub shoulders with other magicians and learn from them, listen to them and learn from them and watch all the other magicians. Watch Penn and Teller for crying out loud. They... They have a never-ending stream of some of the best magicians in the world on that show. Watch those magicians. Don't watch the tricks. Watch how they entertain. Watch their timing. Listen for little nuances in how they say things. And hold on to all of those things. Then take one trick, just one trick. Just one, 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 one trick and make it your own. Take one trick. I don't, I don't care. I don't care if you get a Svengali deck of cards. And some people who are here don't know what that is. I have a feeling you probably do, Nick. But if if you get the very beginning Svengali, Svengali deck of cards and learn one trick from that, get out there and perform. If it's bad, you've learned something. If it's good, you get the feeling and you go, man, I want to perform that trick again. And I want to learn another trick. And I want to get better and better and better. And that's how you become a magician. It's not hiding in your bedroom and seeing on and I, I'm, I, I usually don't knock things, but I, I, I see the Magic Cafe, which is a forum for magicians, and I see people being very judgmental on there, people who probably never leave their house and do magic, you know? And that's what magic is. It's, it, it's a performance art. Let's call it what it is. It's a performance art. What is performance? It's getting up in front of people and doing something and causing an emotion. That's what a performance art is, and that's what magic is. So that's why you need to get out there and do that. Now, sideline things that are very important for a magician. Watch all the old Looney Tunes cartoons. Watch all the old Disney cartoons. Read Chuck Jones' biography, Chuck Amuck. You will learn more about timing 
from those three things than you will ever learn watching any magician ever in your life. Timing is everything. It's everything in life, not just in comedy, not just in magic. Timing is everything. And once you have timing, you're making real magic. Ken says it best. Works for me. Hey, if I get a, there you go. See, again, he's just pushing for those Canadian dollars. That's all he really wants is more of those. That's what this comes down to. Oh, but seriously, that's great advice, you know, especially just going back to the old school stuff, like going back to Looney Tunes, going back to, you know, going back to the books and just studying and being, not just being someone who's cooped up in the room, gotta learn, gotta learn, gotta learn, gotta learn, gotta learn, but going to your neighbor, hey, I learned something new. Can I, can I test this on you? Exactly. You know? Watch Marx Brothers. Watch Laurel and Hardy. Watch the Three Stooges. You know, magic isn't completely magic. Magic needs, like any other creative art, needs to grab from other places. You got to fill that creative well or it's going to go dry. And I know that by personal experience. And the problem is if you keep feeding it the same thing, it goes dry again. And you go, why... Why? I've been writing. It's been amazing. I've been writing copy and suddenly nothing is coming. You know why? Because I lived in a world of copy. I was not living other things in life that would fill that void. And once I got out and started doing that, wow, amazingly, I could start writing again. It's the same way with magic. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, you know what? I think we need to I think we need to end the show on one of the highest notes we can. We need a performance. Oh boy. Well, here you go. It all goes downhill from here, but uh um yeah, I have a couple of things for you. Okay. Um you know, I talked about copywriting, Nick, and mm -hmm. and I do believe that words are magic, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we have magic words, abracadabra, hocus pocus, alakazam, sim salabim, uh, bibbidi bobbidi boo, uh, ooh ee ooh ah ah, ting tang, walla walla bing bang. No payments or interest for 72 months. Ah, yes, Nick. These are all magic words. But I've come to the conclusion that all words are magic. I mean, they have the power to delight, anger. Spark wars, barter peace, make us laugh and cry. Convince or simply confuse. For example, I have a set of whole cards here, Nick. Mm -hmm. They're whole cards of two completely different types. Now, you see, the first card is a whole card. It's called a whole card because it has a hole. Whereas the second card is a whole card because it doesn't have a hole. It's a whole card. Now, the third is like the second. It's a whole card. The last like the first. It's a whole card. So this is a demonstration with two whole cards and two whole cards. Now, the whole cards are colored on the back. So if I place a whole card against a whole card, I create the illusion of a spot card. Same is true of this pair here, the illusion of a spot card, but really it's nothing more than a whole card and a whole card put together. However, if I create the illusion of a spot card, give it a squeeze and snap my fingers, the spot card, Nick, becomes a real card and it doesn't rub off. Ooh. <laughs> so now I have one whole card and two whole cards. The other whole card has become a spot card. We'll get back to that at the end. Now, if I create the illusion of a spot card, blow, then tap it several times, I, of course, end up with a whole bunch of spots. Any questions, Nick? That was awesome. Well, you know, since there will be a quiz at the end, um, I'm going to make this one as easy to follow as possible. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take the whole card, but not the whole whole card, just a portion of the whole card, and create the illusion of a spot card. Then very quickly pass away the whole card from what used to be the spot card. Now it's a whole card because the whole card's been moved away. This becomes a spot card as well. 
But the spot is so big, Nick, it covers the whole card. It covers the whole card. Now, of course, you realize I'm going to keep doing this until you like it. <laughs> now, this last one is the most confusing. I mean, is this a, a spot card that's whole? A whole card that has a hole? A whole card with a spot? Or if I tap it, it becomes a spot card with a hole. So here's a spot card with a hole. Here's a spot covering the whole card. Here's a whole bunch of spots. And the reason this whole thing was so confusing is that you were busy watching the spots, Nick, and you weren't watching the whole. That's my whole story, and I'm sticking to it. Excellent. That was awesome. Thank you. I do have one last thing I'd like to uh, like to share with you, if you don't yes. mind. Yes, go for it. Uh, you know, we talk about the pandemic. We talk about how crazy everything is right now. People are so angry. They're seeing red in this day and age. You know, we've got things twisted around. And we're so tight. Have you noticed that, Nick, how tight everybody is right now? Everybody's so angry, Nick. <sighs> Personally, I think with a bit of compassion and a bit of caring, we could all calm down and minor miracles could happen. See, it all starts with love. I like that one. Thank you, sir. Thank you for being here on BuddyCast. Excellent tricks. Excellent BuddyCast. Thank you so much. Oh, this, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for letting me blather on and on. Please. I like it when my guests chat. It's a lot easier than, uh, what's, uh, how long have you been doing this for? Long time. Well, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know... And to end it on that note, I still don't have that accordion, Nick. I don't know. I may have to just settle for a concertina. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe for Christmas this year. You know, Santa's coming and there's always surprises. Yep. You know it. All righty. For all my buddies out there, this is my new buddy, Trent. I'm your host, Nick Sorensen. Please keep the magic alive. And Trent, as I tell every single one of my buddies, they're not guests, they're buddies that come on the show. I got one favor for you to ask me, to, or one favor for you to do today. Yes, sir. Go be someone's buddy. You got it. We'll catch you next time here on BuddyCast.